0: Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. How are you? This feels weird. How am I going to use both my hands to make my wild hand motions? Well, here we are. We're in week three of our series, Decluttered. We are told by the uh, the Apostle Paul that we have the mind of Christ, but there's sometimes a need for a certain amount of decluttering to happen because we are distracted by many things, and and that makes accessing the mind of Christ a little difficult because we welcome a lot of sometimes craziness into our minds, into our lives, into our schedules. That makes it difficult to kind of slow down enough to really hear. What Jesus is saying. And so we've been, we've been talking about the need to train ourselves to be godly. We want to declutter from the things that are distracting from hearing the mind of Christ. And one of the things that clutters our spiritual lives and our relational lives is the issue of unforgiveness, kind of stewarding justice. And who deserves how much of our kindness because of how much they hurt us or not. And trying to keep all that straight and organized in our minds Whether whether consciously or even subconsciously, it's an energy drain. And so Jesus puts forgiveness front and center in his teachings. So that's going to be our emphasis today. Here's our problem as human beings, okay? Our problem is that, A, there's going to be multiple points, A, follow along, the, the relational God who is love made us in his image and likeness. We are made to relate, and we will not be healthy if we are not in relationship with others. We will not be fully human outside of relationship. Having said that, B, at the fall, we exchanged perfection for autonomy, and now we are born into brokenness. We live in a world where hurt people hurt people. So we are made from a relationship, and we need relationship. But relationship is where we're going to get hurt. And relationship is where we're going to do the hurting as well, because we're imperfect, broken people. Everybody is. Now, that's a problem because, A, we need relationship, and B, relationship is the thing that primarily hurts us. Well, what do we do? Many of us, many of us will be tempted to just kind of isolate ourselves from relationship, but that's not the solution. So, so C, we are inescapably, instinctively, unavoidably drawn toward and most hurt by the same thing. Relationships. So what do we do with that? It's a pickle. It's a conundrum, right? And I think the only thing that allows us to solve this basic human dilemma is this thing called forgiveness. Our response to relationship problems sometimes, though, don't go towards forgiveness. It takes other routes. So here are some of the other possibilities that some of us try. So first of all, rumination. Thinking ourselves to death. I can't believe they did that. I really can't. I still can't believe they did that. Sometimes we think it out loud. Sometimes we, in conversation, sometimes just in our mind. Two, retribution. I don't get mad. I get even. I'll make sure they know how much they hurt me. I'll make sure they pay, because that's fair. Three, repression. I'm fine. Really, really, fine. Really, fine. It's fine. And we smoosh it up in a tight little ball, and we push it down, down deep, so that we don't have to think about it, but it's still draining away our energy. So maybe you see yourselves in one or two or all of those I have at some point in my life. But I think that the only route forward that brings true life and health is going to be forgiveness. And so it's no coincidence that Jesus makes this central to his teachings. Because the gospel is a relational message. Forgiveness has to be at the center of it all. Forgiveness then has to become an ongoing reality in our lives. If we're going to be the relational people God has called us to be, in an imperfect world with other imperfect people, we're going to need to become experts on forgiveness. If we're going to do anything else that matters. Because everything that matters is relational. I'm going to say it again. Everything that matters is relational. So let's dive into that. We're going to open up our Bibles to the New Testament. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three books of the New Testament. We're going to go there and look at three different teachings of Jesus on forgiveness. So you can open up your Bibles now if you have them. Matthew 5 is where we're headed first. Matthew 5, 21. So Jesus here is talking about murder and he says, you can kill people just in your attitude toward them. So it's a spiritual murder. It's a relational murder. And so in the process of talking about that, he says this, look at verse 23, Matthew 5, 23. It says, so if you are offering your gift on the altar, in other words, you're engaged in a religious ceremony at the moment. And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So that means you have sinned against them and they have reason to be upset with you. And it dawns on you, even if it's in the middle of a religious service, he says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. So here in the Old Testament context, your gift would be like your lamb or whatever you had brought for sacrifice. He says, leave it there. There's something more important than even this very central act of the Jewish worship service at that time. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. So hear what he's saying. Making a relationship right, especially when you have done the wrong and you need to apologize and make it right with someone, Jesus says is more important than you worshiping God right now. Part of being in the worship atmosphere is that it sometimes gets us to kind of slow down enough in our week that things start to come to mind. Sometimes the most important things start to come to mind that we've suppressed because of our our busyness through the week. And Jesus says, if something comes to mind and you realize that you need to make it right with someone else because of something you have done, you can get up and leave right in the middle of the church service. And so today's first homework doesn't start at the end of the service. It starts now. If anyone would like to get up and leave, right now in the middle of the message, I'll continue preaching, but my heart will be cheering and applauding for you because you're following the teachings of Jesus. Now there's someone who needs to use the bathroom right now, and they're afraid to get up right now, probably. But if anyone needs to leave now, leave now. The rest of what I say is less important than what you need to apply as God brings that to mind. Okay? Mark 11. That's the next passage we're going to look at. Mark 11, verse 25. This is Jesus again. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoings. And again, this is in the context of a worship service, where we slow down and things come to mind. Now we're we're praying, he says, and we realize someone's hurt me. I just kind of become aware of it. I need to forgive them right away. For this one, he doesn't say to leave, but we need to release them from their debt that they owe us in our heart. So Jesus says, do that right away. So if God brings something to mind, you have the permission to tune out from anything else I say because you're praying and doing business with God. If that's what is happening, that's a beautiful thing. That's the work that you do for the rest of the service. Lastly, Luke 17, verse 3. In Luke 17, verse 3, Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. So here he doesn't say forgive them he says if your brother or sister sins against you rebuke them first in other words point out their fault to them just going to someone and saying hey i want to forgive you maybe jumping ahead maybe they don't know they've sinned against you maybe they're not repentant someone comes to you. think about it. someone comes to you and says i want to forgive you for that ridiculous thing you did yesterday you might say, I, don't, I did a lot of ridiculous things yesterday. I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you mean. So they might, you might not even see that there's anything to be repentant over. So you don't just go and pronounce forgiveness, right? You first go and talk to them. Say, hey, listen, that thing you said, that thing you did, I'm going to be honest, that hurt me. Or listen, man, I think, I think you're better than that. Whatever level your relationship is, is at will determine the words that you use. But that's rebuke. It's just point now. Just being courageous enough to hold up a mirror just to show something to some, somebody that maybe they don't see. And then it says, after you have rebuked them, if they repent, forgive them. So repentance means to change their mind about it. So it may look like them saying, you know what, I didn't, I didn't see that before, I, but I'm, I was wrong, I'm sorry. That's repentance. And I say, I forgive you. Now you have full reconciliation. So there's a kind of forgiveness that can happen in prayer as you are letting it go personally, but there may be times where it has to move kind of to a transactional event between people. Then look at verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The apostles hear Jesus teaching on forgiveness, and they go, this is hard. We're going to need some help with this. We're going to need more faith. So, so quick review, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, if you need to repent, leave now. Mark, if you're holding a grudge, forgive now. And Luke, if someone doesn't know it yet, go show them as soon as possible. You see how important and timely Jesus says relational reconciliation is. Forgiveness is one of those things that you can see is so central to the gospel. It's central to how we live out the gospel. John Sabrino, a theologian, says this. It says the purpose of forgiveness is not simply to heal the guilt of the sinner, but the purpose of all love, to come into communion. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, 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 I get it in theory, but. And there's lots of buts around this issue, right? So I've tried to distill it down to three of the big buts. Here they are. But number one, but they won't repent. I've gone to them, but they won't repent. All right, then you are not responsible for the completion of the transactional reconciling process of forgiveness. Maybe you can't complete it, but you don't say, well, they're not repenting, so forget them. No, you still have work to do internally. You do know that Jesus prayed for our forgiveness when we weren't repentant and we didn't understand. On the cross in Luke 23, it says, but Jesus was saying, So it seems to be an ongoing thing, not Jesus said once, but Jesus was saying, as they're crucifying him, as they're driving in in the nails, as he's hanging there, as they're mocking him, he's saying again and again, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He doesn't say, Father, forgive them if and when they repent. They don't repent. They They don't even know what they're doing. And he's praying for their forgiveness in that moment. And so we can do that even if someone is not yet repentant. Big butt number two, but I can't forget. I've forgiven them, but I keep, it keeps coming back to mind. So I wonder if I've really even forgiven them. Because I heard if you've really forgiven them, you wouldn't think about it anymore. And I just want to say, if you got that idea from a Christian preacher, on behalf of Christian preachers, I want to apologize. Because that's silly. That idea that you have to forget in order to forgive is silly. You do understand that if you could forget, you wouldn't need to forgive, right? You would just live in the here and now, and all people would get a fresh start every day. If you could forget. If you could forget, forgiveness would be unnecessary. But forgiveness is necessary because it functions within memory that's vivid and alive. Forgiveness is truly a gift because we do it while remembering, naming the thing that we're granting forgiveness for. And I think over time it'll get easier to forget about something because we've forgiven and let it go, but we don't have to manufacture some kind of psychological amnesia in order to prove that we've forgiven somebody. You know, when we're, when we're driving in a car, there's a couple of ways to access external inf- information visually. One's a windshield, and the other's the rearview mirror. Their size tells you something. You can glance backwards. The past is there to be glanced at. Remember lessons from? Great. But the majority of our vision is forward. Now, when you're obsessing about the past and the rearview mirror is taking up almost all the windshield space, then something is wrong. But the fact that you still remember, still glance backwards, that doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. I think it's because there's a few places in Scripture where God says, not only have I forgiven you, but I've forgotten. And we think, well, that's the gold standard of forgiveness. So I have to forget like that. And we try to kind of manufacture this psychological amnesia to prove forgiveness. It's not true, because even God, when he says that I've forgotten, means I've forgotten in a functional sense. I'm not going to hold, you to hold it against you anymore. But it doesn't mean that God can't access memory. There's a few places in Scripture where he forgives people for things and then will remind them of his journey through forgiving them. So obviously he can, he can and did remember. And even the Apostle Paul who says that he forgets about the past, Philippians 3, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. That's a beautiful, beautiful verse. The the Apostle Paul forgets whatever's past. But it's interesting because just a few verses earlier in verse 6 of this same passage, he says, let me tell you about some of the terrible things I did to to the church for which God has forgiven me. And he talks about how he was repentant of his persecution of the church before he became a Christian. And he uses that as a learning tool and a learning lesson. And yet at the same time, he says he forgets the past. So there's a way of forgetting the past that means it doesn't hold its weight of judgment over me anymore. I'm done with that. But I don't have to pretend that I don't know what actually happened. So you're free from that kind of silly pressure. Big but number three, but I can't trust them again. So have I really forgiven them if I can't trust them again? Forgiveness and trust are different things. You know, there's more than one ingredient that goes into making a healthy relationship. You need forgiveness to move forward, but you also need trust. And trust is something that cannot simply be manufactured. Trust is given as a gift, maybe the first, maybe the second time. But after that, it needs to be rebuilt if it gets torn down. So you can forgive right away, which then frees you up to go to the to the work and the issue of rebuilding trust. But there are sins that leave a mark, a scar. I think of when David repented uh, of his sin with Bathsheba, and the prophet Nathan said, God has forgiven you. It's all past. It's all gone. And then he said, but David, your son will die. There will be consequences for your sin. So there can be forgiveness and consequences at the same time. There can be forgiveness and boundaries and accountability at the same time. Doesn't mean you're not forgiving the person. So here's here's one last caution. Forgiveness doesn't always fix a relational issue. But we still forgive. God is the perfect forgiver. Not everybody receives it and responds. But Jesus advocates forgiveness no matter what. So it won't always work perfectly, but you do your part. I like when the Apostle Paul says in Romans twelve eighteen, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Isn't that a great line? As far as it depends on you. Live in peace with everyone. He acknowledges we have our part to play. When we play it in the way of Christ, we can put our head down on our pillow at night and know that we live like Jesus. We've done the right thing. But we can't always control how other people respond to that. As far as it depends on us, we're going to be forgivers. We're going to live at peace. <clears throat> I heard someone say this one time. It really, it really stuck with me. I can't remember who said it. Uh, but they said, forgiveness is, is more like farming than it is like construction. In construction, you build a building and it's a it's a lot of work, but you know when you're done. Forgiveness is more like farming. You're gonna be doing some of this for the rest of your life. Sometimes it will be repeated hurt of one person, or it will be different hurts that come from different people, or it will be one thing that happens once that keeps bubbling up again, and then you just simply let it go again. Or if you need help with that to talk with someone else and get some wise counseling, you get prayer. Farming has seasons, and some of those seasons take a lot of hard work. What I'm saying is that you don't have to freak out if you've forgiven someone for something, and then it bubbles back up again. You had a time of peace, and then you go back into the time of pain, and you think, man, I thought I had forgiven them. I guess I never did. No, you did. But part of the consequences of that is that the pain kind of resurfaces sometimes. You kind of have to let it go again. And let it go again. And for some of us, that, that might be an almost lifelong commitment. We are tilling the ground. We are farming. We are working on our relationships. And working on our own souls. So I wouldn't say that when it pops back up again that it's a sign that you haven't forgiven them. Just that it's just that the seasons are changing. And there's more work to be done. But you continue doing your work and living in the way of Jesus. All right? Let's talk about homework. Then we're going to take communion together. There's, a, there's an interesting passage in John's Gospel uh, at the Last Supper when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, which is interesting because usually the servants would do that. But now the master's doing it. And in the process of doing it, he is teaching them a symbolic lesson. And Peter objects. You know, he goes around to all the disciples. He washes their feet. and When he gets to Peter, Peter objects. Let's look at, the, look at the passage. John thirteen six, we read this. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. So, so there's a symbolic, deeper meaning to what he's doing here. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So in other words, I'm ready for my whole body bath, right? Let's go. Whatever it takes, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Christ responds. Remember, he's saying this is also very symbolic. His response is very telling. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. So, Jesus, given the context and the symbolism here, I think is saying, when you've become saved... Given your life to Christ, and you've been cleansed and raised to new life, you are clean. There's a kind of forgiveness that's once and for all. It's done, you don't need it again. Rejoice in that. But, even in committed, beautiful, close relationships, there are small ways where we will mess things up. Start to corrode things. Sin will get in the mix. And for that, it's good to continue to say, God, forgive me today wash my feet. I receive your cleansing. I don't need a whole bath again. I'm yours and I'm clean and I'm purified, but I don't want anything to get between us. So that makes the Lord's prayer so beautiful where Jesus says, and we know it's a daily prayer because he says, give us this day our daily bread. So it's a daily prayer. And then the very next line is, and forgive me for my sins the way I'm forgiving other people for their sins. There's that foot washing. I don't have to pray every day that I get saved, but every day I release others, I forgive others. And I receive forgiveness afresh for anything, where I'm just missing the mark, in small ways that can clutter up this relationship. So it's, it's simple and it's pure. So here's our homework. It follows the same structure that we've been doing already through this series. Um, set your daily alarm just 10 minutes earlier? then rather than reaching for your phone to catch up on social media, news, email, um, reach for your Bible. Put a bookmark in there. This one particular passage and reach for that when you wake up. Just lie there, read and meditate. And here's the passage. Read and meditate on Matthew 6, 11 and 12. Matthew 6, 11 and 12. Just what been, we've been talking about. The Lord's Prayer. I pray for my daily needs. I also want to pray for your forgiveness as I forgive others. And you just meditate on that for a few moments. Then pray, dear Father, please bring to mind anyone I am still judging or holding on to bitterness towards in these past 24 hours. Because it's a daily prayer. Because you know what? There There are, sometimes there are people that we are still even subconsciously upset with because when I smiled at them, they didn't smile at me. When I said please, they didn't say thank you. When I held the door, they seemed to ignore me. There's just lots of people in our lives who don't always live up to our standards. And they can start to bug you. But if you're a big enough person, you can ignore that. But that doesn't mean it always just goes away. So sometimes you just need to actually just reflect on the day and say, God, is there anyone that I'm just still not not forgiving? I'm just holding on to it. I'm still judging them just subconsciously. And give him time. People start to come to mind. And then you can just begin to let it go. Let them go. They were hurried. I can't, I can't judge them for cutting me off, whatever. I cut other people off. I attribute bad motives to them, but I want people to attribute good motives to me. And that isn't fair, so I'm just, I'm sorry. And I want to let it go. And you're doing that internal cultivation of forgiveness. Even though you may or may not see that person ever again. What a beautiful cleansing every 24 hours. As God shows you person by person, situation by situation, you forgive them and you let it go. And then you pray, now, dear Father, bring to, any, bring to mind anyone I have hurt, offended or sinned against in the past 24 hours. You pray that, and then as God shows you person by person, situation by situation, ask God to forgive you and, and think of ways that maybe you can make it right with that person. Maybe it's someone you're close to, or maybe it's, you'll never meet them again. Maybe you can make it, make it right right away, maybe you can't. But every day you just stop and you do this inventory. Then you pray, God, help me do whatever I need to make it right. What a beautiful way to have your feet washed and wash the feet of others on a daily basis, to kind of push the reset button, to be cleansed and to keep your life and your love simplified. I think that's a perfect place to stop and take communion together. What do you say? Um, does everybody have a communion cup? If you don't, could you raise your hand? We'll get you one. Anybody need one? A little little package with the wafer and the. We good? All right. Yeah, tear those puppies open. There you go. At the center of communion are these elements: this this bread or this wafer that we dip in a cup. And that speaks to us us of, of Christ's body and blood. For us, at the center of our faith, at the center of life, is the understanding that we are recipients of a gift. It is a precious, sacred gift. It is forgiveness. During communion, what we do is we take time to realign ourselves. And we remember this on a regular basis, because it does something to us. It shapes our hearts. It molds us and transforms us. Communion is this beautiful time where we are face-to-face with the grace of God. It's also a time when we drag that which needs to be transformed to the table, and we say, here, God, I cannot do this on my own. And we, like the apostles, ask Jesus, increase our faith. God, let something transformational happen in us, something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful, something awesome, something real. Speak to us, Lord, and change us somewhere inside where it matters. Let us be people who know the magnitude of the gift of forgiveness that that you have given us, who then are able to to forgive quickly, Lord. Feel free to partake when you're ready, and then I'll pray. the ministry team wants to make their way forward, they'll be up here for prayer after I pray. If anybody would like prayer for any reason, come and get prayed for by them. All right, let's pray. Lord, we ask for just a fresh working of your grace. We thank you for these beautifully strong, confrontive words about what love actually looks like when it takes on flesh and blood. Father, I simply ask that your that your Holy Spirit will remind us and convict us and speak to us during our times with you this week, give us clarity and wisdom on how to turn these times of prayer and meditation into action that leads to reconciliation where possible. Father, I thank you that ultimately we can have, we can only have this conversation. We can only pray to you because you have paid the price to take away our sin and to fully forgive and cleanse us. Who are we to not offer this to others around us? So we thank you, Christ, for forgiveness for new life. In the name of Jesus, everybody say amen.